down to episode number four of the Down South Photo Show. Uh, it's great to be with you for four episodes. Um, quite amazing that we've made it this far, Cameron. And I would like to say hello to Cameron Blake. How are you going, mate? I'm good, Brent. How are you going today? Uh, not too bad at all, thank you. Um, four episodes. That's, that's the equivalent of one month. One month of, of recording. Well, that's right, because we've been releasing them weekly pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we were discussing off air about where does the time go? Yes. It's, it's, it's crazy. We've, um, it felt like we recorded episode three yesterday, but it went live. Maybe it's because it takes a few days for the episodes to go live. Yeah. And then we're, and then we're back recording again. I think, I think, yeah, I think the fact that we still don't know really what, what, what we're doing, I think that's probably <laughs> the, main, the main thing is that, uh, yeah, it does. It feels like we record something and then... I think I think because you like you said you relive it when you're recording it you're, you're obviously editing and you're listening to it and then you're re-editing and doing that so yeah but it's gone quick but I'm well I'm uh, still in Melbourne that's what I'm doing so we find you uh, still in Melbourne Australia yes that Melbourne yes um, so I haven't decided when I'm going home yet <laughs> just I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm literally just chilling out at mum and dad's here in Melbourne and uh, actually going to head out and do a few things in the next uh, week or so then probably head home. Well, I was going to. I was going to ask you if you um, find yourself in the city. Do you do you have a yearning to go out and take landscape photos, or, or are you happy just to chill at the moment? I'm uh, happy just to chill at the moment. Um, I got a bit of itchy itchy feet yesterday. We actually went for a bit of a an explore up through Marysville, and Lovely. Uh, up through the Black Spur, and uh, up to Lake Mountain. Here's one for all the people of Victoria and wherever you're listening from. This is the first time I've ever been to a mountain that was sold out. We went to Lake Mountain, we got to the gate and they said, sorry, uh, the mountain's sold out today. Have you got a ticket? We're like, what? It's a mountain. What, what does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> so they turned <laughs> us around and we went up another Mount Margaret. We went up this uh, back ass end of a nowhere mountain track and went up there and okay. saw, saw some snow with the kids. So they were pretty yeah. happy. Yeah. Well, I don't know if um, you saw the footage uh, from Mount Hotham. Um, mm. the, the, the line for the, ski, for the yes. one and only ski lift they had open. So. Isn't that nuts? Yeah, it is it's, absolutely bizarre. Um, yeah. But keeping it, uh, you know, on the photography thread, the high country of Victoria. Yes. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I want to I want to get up there and I actually contemplate after yesterday, I thought, you know what, bugger this, maybe I'll go up to Hotham for a few days and try and take a few nice shots up there. Because you're right, up at the Dinner Plain, Hotham Heights, uh, Falls Creek, even across the Threadbow, Kosciuszko, Um under good snow cover, it's magical. There is a really yeah. nice spot. So. Yeah, yeah, no, it is great. And we, um, I would imagine, and I know we do already have a few international listeners, but I would imagine particularly people. Do we in really? Northern, we have. Wow. Um, at least two that I know of. Hey. Hey, um, shout out to them. How you going? That's right. Um, <laughs> I, I would imagine that. Well, I know this to be fact that people that live in the Northern Hemisphere may not really equate Australia to snow or having yeah. snow. I mean, obviously Tasmania where your base can, um, yeah. you know, snow everywhere, but um, mm. here in mainland Australia on the big island, as you like to call it, yeah. um, we also do get our fair share of snow and yeah. uh, particularly at this time of year, because I'm currently, I think outside it's about eight degrees at the moment. So, well, yeah, this, this week in Melbourne, I think it's going to be like a, a top of two or three overnight. Uh, that's awesome. So having said that, though, um, it's a bit of a misconception that Tassie gets lots of snow. And this is, okay. something, this is something that I sort of lost, uh, got lost on a little bit before I moved down there. Um, we do get snow, but to access it, it's almost, a lot of it's almost impossible because the, the mountains are so rugged and so remote, you can't actually get to places like Mount uh, Hotham or something similar like that. So, yeah, and we don't get heaps of snow dumps. We seem to get one at the start of winter and a couple of big ones towards the end and not much in between. So... Um, if you are looking at snow photography, Tassie can be quite good, um, but you're going to need to really work your backside off to get to some places um, mm. in the back country. That's for sure. Well, I would I would imagine, and I, I'm pro, I know that in Australia, uh, the state that gets the highest rainfall is Queensland. Mm -hmm. um, I'm wondering where Tasmania might fall on that list because, of course, you. To have snow, you need precipitation. So you do. Be, um, there's some well, homework for you, Cameron. Well, no homework needed because I sort of know. Oh, bang! Hello. <laughs> well, in a way, I know. I know the west coast of Tassie gets three meters of rain a year. So not okay. three liters, three meters. 
yes. of rain. Um, but having said it would be, that, it would be odd if it got three liters. That would be very odd. That's that, not that, a lot of rain. That, that'd, be, that, that'd, be, that'd be that'd be causing some issues, I think. But um, yeah, well, we do get a lot of rain down there. But um, it's yeah, it's not the wettest place in the world. But that west coast certainly um, gets uh, gets its fair share of weather. So yeah. yeah. It's, uh, no, it's be, be, I mean, obviously in, in, in uh, area, it's one of our smaller states. So mm, that's where right. it falls on that list might be quite interesting to find out. But anyway, as per usual, we digress. Yeah. Um, I'd like to thank everyone who's tuned in so far. This has been mm. great. This has actually been, uh, it's exceeded my expectations as to the kind of audience that we might attract to a show like this um, yeah, in agree. terms of sheer weight of numbers. It's been, it's been pretty cool. Um, yeah, we love yeah. the feedback has been fantastic. So commenting below our YouTube clips. You can comment on Podbean as well. Um, I've got to look into the other podcast apps as to how you can comment and things like that. But definitely via YouTube, we're getting a lot of comments there via yeah. our Facebook page as well. So it's, that's, that's been really cool. I think something else people can do if they've got a couple of minutes spare is when they're on iTunes, if they're listening through iTunes, you can actually leave a review. It's like a product yes. review, but on us. So um, you can review us and tell us what you think. And I think that also helps us move around up the charts and move around, get more attention and get out there. So, but yeah, it's, yes, it's, incre- we're, it's, inc- we're it's incredible. We're actually now, we're now charting. We're starting to appear on, um, on lists and things, which is something <laughs> I'd never thought I'd ever no, say no. in my entire life. But um, Cameron and I are charting. We are. And not, yeah, not musically. <laughs> no, thank God for that. Thank God for that. A um, couple of little bits of homework from last week. Um, mm-hmm. Thanks to everyone who scored a free camera and photo cleaning cloth by leaving a comment below that they needed a cleaning cloth. We gave five away to the first five people that commented uh, that. So that's yep. awesome. They will be on their way to you guys soon. Um, it's free, so it might take a bit longer. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> now, we've, we've got everyone's contact details, so we know where they're going. So that's, I, know. that's, that's the, I know. I know there's, two, there's a couple of cleaning cloths going to Tassie. So really? they, jump, they jumped on board real quick, the Tasmanians. Uh, that's good. That's good. Um, how are we splitting the postage on that? I don't know. <laughs> we, haven't worked <laughs> at, we, we, haven't, we haven't talked about anything like that. But, uh, yeah. It's on me, but mate. The, it's on me. I've got it. I've got sure. it. Sure. All right. I, I'd, <laughs> no, ima- I'd imagine once we sort of chart in the top 10 of uh, you know, iTunes or whatever, like yes. we, won't, we won't even need money anymore. It'll just be get growing on trees, I'd imagine. Oh, naturally, that's right. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, so as we like to kick off most uh, most weeks so far, all three of them, um, we know that you've been based you've been based in Melbourne and you've been up into the hills. Did you manage to get any photos while you're up there? Uh, I had a car full of screaming kids, and right. uh, there there would have been some. I took a couple of shots of them playing in the snow. I had took that Olympus eight to twenty five again. I was. Uh, as not to be mistaken to the Canon 8 to 25. <laughs> um, Will I ever hear the end of that? No, you won't. Will not. Um, so, yeah, I took that out. Um, I was very tempted through that Black Spur, Yarra, Yarra Ranges region to stop and take some photos because it was magical. It was misty. It was uh, a little bit uh, drizzle, a little bit foggy, um, but it was just too much traffic around to pull over. And Did they, um, was there still a lot of trees down up that way? There was a hell of a lot of trees down. Yeah, yeah that, 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 that forest, because for those that don't know, Melbourne had a huge storm, was about three weeks ago? Three weeks ago, yep. Yeah, really, really big uh, rainstorm, but windstorm as well, and huge gusts of winds. And that forest, for anyone that's been up through the Black Spur, up towards Narbathong, um, that forest, it looks like it's you know, had a bit of a thinning haircut out. Like it's just, you can see so much further through the forest. Um, but it actually sort of worked for what I was looking at the, uh, yesterday. Um, the fog was actually probably deeper into it. You know, it was more prominent because there wasn't as many trees around. So it may pay dividends in the end. But yeah, there was a lot of um, snap branches and a lot of uh, repair work being done. You could see that's for sure. Yeah, well, obviously, um, very natural way to thin the forest. And of course, that's mm. been happening since we were long before here. So uh, yeah, obviously, make, making room for more trees to grow and... Yeah, yeah it, is, it is quite a pretty area and a bit of an unsung area, I think, aside from locals who know it quite well. Um, they're certainly a great spot for photos and um, the, the, the roads, the road itself becomes an integral part of a lot of photography up there. Yeah, it does. It's, it's one of those, there's a couple of really classic shots through that Black Spur Road where you actually incorporate that black road and the yellow yeah. line. And you know, most times with landscape photography, I know with me, I try and keep as much man-made elements out of my work as I can, but that's just one of those ones where you've just got to, it's like a jetty or, you know, something else like that. You've just got to put 
that road in the shots uh, just gives you a beautiful leading line, a little vanishing point, and um, the black contrasting against the green of the forest works really well. But uh, yeah, no photo. I took, I think I took two photos for the whole day, and um, but we had a good day. We had a good time. The kids made a bit of a uh, bit of a snowman, and uh, we got the car dirty, and they were happy. Well, that's good. Um, well, that's two more photos than I took this week because yes. um, I've had another one of those weeks where I haven't been able to get out into the field, but it's a bit of a theme for me at the moment, which I'm trying to break. Yeah. Um, sometimes I think I need an eighth day of the week um, just so I can fill that day up with all useless stuff as well. Yeah. But um, I've decided it's going to be known as Bren's Day and it's kicking Bren. off pretty soon. Bren's Day. That's pretty good. Yep. Like that. Yeah. Yep. No, that's what we're rolling with. And, uh, that's the day I'm going to go out and take all my photos. Yep. Every sunrise is going to be epic on Bren's Day. Every sunset's yep. going to be breathtaking. Yep. And I'm going to have fantastic foreground and the whole maybe, bit. That's maybe, going to be maybe, awesome. maybe more of what you've got behind you there. Is that that's a new photo? Is that a, is that a, sun, I know. Is that I a know. sunset? I worked out how to change my background. Yeah, you've done one part of changing your video and background. That's pretty good. The other look, part look, of it is one still... thing at a time, Cameron. Um, I am still in four by three. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with 4x3. I'm a no. child of the 70s and 80s and 4x3 rocked my world. So yeah. yep. I'm sticking with that. Um, and I'm going to try and move a little bit out of the way. That there would be 13th Beach, which oh, yes. is not very far away from here at all. Like yeah. um, I, can, I can get to 13th Beach in about 10 minutes from here. Fantastic yeah, spot for photography, particularly sunset at face. The, the beach runs east-west. Yeah. So it's great. Perfect. You can... Um, you can shoot sunrises and sunsets there till the yeah. cows come home. And I like those rocks. They're, the rocks are really cool. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, that's a very, very cool spot to take photos and um, great for long exposure stuff like I was doing there. Yeah. But also 13th Beach is quite famous well, for two reasons. One, it's got um, a fantastic uh, uh, range of surf breaks up and down yeah. 13th yeah. Beach. There's a lot of, um, um, a lot of uh, spots where you can go for a surf there and, it also happens to be how I get between my two stores, Ocean Grove and Torquay. I drive along 13th Beach every time. That's convenient. Uh, and it's, it's lovely. Mm. It's really, really nice because I, you know, I get to switch off for five minutes and just you know, check out what the surf's up to or what the conditions are like. I have yeah. a couple of times sort of delayed opening the shop yeah. by 20 minutes <laughs> so I could stop. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just I, I, I've got to photograph this. So I yeah. jump out and do that I, sort of stuff. I reckon I'm going to make a note because I reckon there's a really good podcast topic on those shots that you just have to stop for. Yes. And I, and I think we could maybe include, get our, our listeners and viewers involved with this one as well, is that yep. show us your best shot that wasn't planned, that you didn't actually go out to do, but you had to stop the car or stop your bike or whatever. Because yep. some, some of the shots you get when you don't expect it, um, it'd be interesting to see what people have got from all around Absolutely. the globe because we've got international <clears throat> yeah. listeners. Yeah, we have. That, that's a very cool topic. Um, and for me, it's still, um, however many years into my journey as a photographer, there's still that rush. It's so yeah. cool. When you, when you stumble across a scene or it comes to you, um, just one that flashed to mind three years ago I was when I was actually putting my Torquay store together. Uh, it was this time of year I was driving yeah. back uh, and the sky, I, I just, I, I can't tell you how saturated the colour was. Yeah. It was even to the point where I was taking a, I, I, I stopped my car, I grabbed my gear and literally ran, like sprinted to the beach because this colour. Yeah. Um, I was completely shot, absolutely knackered, but I got set up on the beach. There was a yeah. girl there walking her dog and she said to me, do you know, if I wasn't here to see this with my own eyes, I would think your photograph was faked. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it was one of those just bizarre just fire, fire, fire in the sky type of thing. Nuts, absolutely nuts. And I'm talking purples and, and yeah, okay. red, red. And, uh, yeah. A really clever editor of a YouTube clip might make that photo magically appear on the screen now for you to have a little look at. Yeah, I don't, we don't there have one go. of them. <laughs> do, we, do we need to be silent for a minute while people drink that in? No. Oh, is, it that, is it that good? It needs a minute of silence. <laughs> <laughs> I needed a, an hour of silence afterwards, man. I was buggered. Like I yeah. had to get that photo though. And uh, Well, you know what I do now whenever I go out anywhere, pretty much if I'm on my own, even when I was in the kids the other day, I have my camera ready. Yes. It's, it's just, it's either, if there's no one in the car, it just sits on the passenger seat next to me yep. with, with just a standard sort of wide angle zoom, just in case something pops up. 
or if the kids are in the car or they're out with friends or whatever, it's always in the back seat, just ready to go because it happens. You're just driving along and you'll be chatting away or listening to some music. You're like, holy hell, that's going off. I've, I've got to pull over the car. Or I've got to, I've got to get an angle on that or whatever it is. And um, by the time you can set your camera up, get all the stuff out of the boot and put all your stuff together and use your new cleaning cloth to you know, wipe your lens down and all that <laughs> kind of stuff, you know, the color's gone. And again, it just goes back to that thing, the fleeting moments which um which happen in in nature you just got to be you got to be on the on the ball for them yeah absolutely and um i think that goes back a little bit to what we were talking about last week um in terms of my crucial equipment mm. that i take and one of them is definitely the iphone um mainly for that very reason because i've always said the best camera is the one you've got on you so um you know sometimes that might be all you've got but at least yeah. you've captured the scene and, and we've talked about this already but the the quality that you can get out of a phone these days is perfectly usable for a photograph. So yeah, um, absolutely well, more than for sure. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely improved, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, so look at us not sticking to the script at all. That's yeah. fantastic. I love right. it. Um, one, yeah. one thing I think we should mention is that you and I had a little get together on Sunday. Which we, was fantastic. We, did. we did. We had an in-person meeting. I know which, it was bizarre. It was like worlds colliding. It was, it was good. No, I went down and caught up with you and your beautiful family and thank you again for the beautiful afternoon and a few cheeky ciders and had the mm, fire mm. going. It was beautiful. Watched a bit of football and yeah, it was no, good. It was good. Yeah, yeah, it was good. No, it was... Uh, it's, it's a beautiful part of the world down there. And um, you've inspired me to maybe go explore that great ocean road a bit more soon, I think. So yes. Yeah. It's, um, it is, it is absolutely phenomenal. And we're very, very lucky to be based where we are. Yeah. Um, and we will eventually return the favor down to Tasmania at some point. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, what, what have we got next? What's, um, how, how was your week apart from not doing anything? Was that it? Is that your week not doing anything? Or? Um, my week wasn't like your week. My week was busy. Um, I'm really, really stoked to say that the shops have been incredibly busy this week. Now, uh, I can put that down to a couple of things. One of them being school holidays generally makes us nice and busy. School holidays yeah. in Victoria at the moment. A new photo show. The new photo show has, you know, might've, might've stirred up a few as well, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's been, it's been great. Loads of printing. Um, in particular, canvas prints are just, it's yeah. funny, canvas prints have been around for a long, long time. And someone said to me the other day, oh, canvas prints are on the way out. I could not disagree more. Um, no. I'm doing more prints on canvas now than ever. Yeah. Um, it's great. I, I think canvas is a fantastic for a couple of reasons. One, the main thing is they just let the photo do the talking, particularly yeah. unframed canvas. So um, you know, there'd be nothing worse than getting one of your photos framed up and put on the wall and someone walks in and says, Hey, nice frame. Yeah. Um, you know, it just, it, it's all about the photo when you put them on canvas. And, uh, I, I know I was very, very lucky to frame, to print and stretch up a couple of canvases from a very, very well-known Tasmanian landscape photographer during the week. I don't know if there is one, is there? Did you get some of Peter's work? Peter Dombrowski's work, did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Oh, yes, I did. I got a couple of uh, canvases printed up for my brother's new house. So thank you for that. <clears throat> they they look great. One of them is the one behind us, but uh, yes. we did it as a bit of a panoramary type mm -hmm. of uh, scenario. Another one was uh, of the Flinders Ranges as well. So they came up looking great and uh, he's put them on his wall. We might flash up those photos on the wall. There we go. I will. I'll stick them up there for yeah. you. And how, um, how cool is it that you literally a week ago shot those photos and yes. now they are adorning your brother's house yeah, i know it's pretty nuts and i must admit I'm, i am guilty of sometimes not printing a lot of my work even though i sell prints and canvases and stuff like that i get a little bit lazy on the, the print side of things that i sometimes take some really nice shots or what i like nice shots and they just sit on hard drives or they sit on a website and yeah. I don't really promote them and I don't really get them printed so yeah. well you're not uh, robinson yeah. crusoe there and there's loads of people that have got um literally thousands of photos that they could be showing off. And I get it. You're not going to be able to print every single photo, no. but even to the point where you might, you know, every, every couple of months, you might print one of them up and rotate them through your, through your walls and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, a saying that I really like is a photograph isn't a photograph until it's printed. Yeah. Um, I agree. Says the guy that runs two print stores. Yeah. But yeah. you know, Did you make take that, that yourself? No, take that with a pinch of salt. <laughs> but I, I think, um, I think that there's an element of truth to that because in this day and age with, you know, digitalization, the, yeah. the image, the images don't get seen. They just don't, yeah. they, 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 they might end up on a website that someone scrolls through once in a blue moon or they yeah. might just disappear altogether. Well, I think, I think that works pretty well. One of our main topics we're going to talk about tonight or today or this morning, depending where you are, um, right. is, is we'll get to that in a second. But I think, yeah, it, it's very crucial that you print 
things out and just not leave them on uh, on a hard hard drive because yeah once they're on a hard drive no one sees them um you put them online and people just flick past them and flash past them they're gone within a couple of seconds yeah that's right um, to be able to have them hanging somewhere proudly or exhibiting them or uh you know in magazines or whatever it might be um i think it's always a good thing yeah definitely and it's uh always worth showing off your pictures as well i mean all, you know when you've got one of your own photos hanging on the wall it's a fantastic talking piece as well yeah um and Everyone likes to show off their handiwork. So, yeah, knock yourself out. Go and get yourself a photo printed. Print yeah. it with me if you want. Print it wherever you want, but just get it up on Just your get wall. it printed. That's right. That's right. Yep, love it, love it. Um, so our main topics for tonight is uh, two things that we want to talk, want to talk about. I want to um, do a quick rewind back to last week uh, and just cover off on a little topic that we talked, last, talked about last week, which I'll come to in a sec. And then our other probably main topic of the night is what – is a photograph worth mm. um, and we're going to come at that from obviously a financial aspect from from a dollar worth what is a photograph worth um, so that's going to be a very interesting subject I think but first of all I just want to go back to what we were talking about last week which prompted the giveaway of the cleaning cloths and that was we had a bit of a discussion well I did I, I mentioned a very very quick piece on um, yeah. UV filters and I guess UV filters it sort of harkens back to old school photography, a UV filter was literally made to filter out UV light, but of course mm. they became more of a protective filter. Yes. And to the, to, the, to the point now where, we, I still call them UV filters, but a lot, lot of companies like Hoya, who was one of the, we are not sponsored, Hoya, who, um, <laughs> who, who are the, probably still one of the world's largest filter manufacturers, now actually call them protective filters. You can still yeah. buy UV and skylight filters, but they're talking more about protective filters. Anyway, the reason I bring this up is because we had a comment uh, on YouTube from Jeff last week. G'day, Jeff, if you're watching tonight. Uh, he just said, great show again, guys. Thank you, Jeff. Um, there seems to be an eternal debate on putting UV filters on lenses, that the UV properties aren't needed for digital sensors as opposed to film days when UV or the old skylight 1B was indeed a benefit, or that adding questionable quality glass, either UV or clear protection filter in front of an optical optimized lens is counterproductive. Come back to you on that one. That said, I do have one or, one or the other on 90% of my glass. He's meaning the UV or skylight filter. Yeah. Um, but I know it's a touchy and divisive subject and he's definitely torn. Well, I think it really just comes back to the, literally the semantics of the name of the thing. I mean, yeah. putting a UV, UV filter on, so if you've got an old filter from 1990 and you put it on your lens now, there will be a very, very slight color cast if you're using a UV filter, but it's absolutely minimal yeah. and easily corrected, obviously, yeah. um, using whatever correction software you want to. So um, I think I just wanted to go back to, because there was a little bit of confusion about what I was talking about UV filters, but I'm really talking about protective filters. Yeah, yeah. And these days with the cost of some lenses i think last week we mentioned the l series lenses from canon being one your yeah. new olympus 8 to 24 which is 8 to 24 25 8 to 25 8 to 25 what have you got um, against this lens <laughs> it's a, but we're talking about a hundred lens it's yeah. not cheap no uh, and if you were to scratch that element or the element with like we said last week with your hoodie or with your beanie or whatever, like people use a baseball cap, yeah. you're going to scratch it. You're going to rub off the protective coating. So I was coming more from the angle of protective filters. And I, I apologize for calling a UV filter every time, but protective filters are really, really important yeah. to Jeff's point. Yes. You can get some pretty shabby, cheap UV filters. Now the analogy I always make is that's like putting Tirana hubcaps on a Ferrari. Yeah. Um, th there's no, it's not, there's no benefit whatsoever. In fact, you are doing yourself a disservice as counterproductive yeah. because the last element on your lens, the last piece of glass on your lens is a cheap crappy piece of glass. That's yeah. just going to, you know, that doesn't give the lens any chance whatsoever. So having said that, if you've got an expensive lens, please don't skimp on your protective filter. So yeah. companies like Olympus make their own filters yeah. with the same coatings that they put on the lenses. That's right. So, and companies like Hoya are now making uh, filters the same way where they've got really um, 
high quality coatings. Uh, I just had a quick look at Hoyer's website and their HD filter has 18 layers of um, coatings. Now those coatings, as I mentioned last week, are designed to absorb light rather than reflect light. Yeah. So someone then might say, okay, but if you're cleaning the filter, aren't you doing the same thing that you would have done to the lens? And of course the answer to that is, well, the filter is about 150 bucks. The lens yeah. is anything Double up to thousand. five grand. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I, like personally with UV, I, I this is going to go against the trend a bit, but I, I don't have UV filters on any of my lenses. Um, I have circular polarizers on all my lenses, and the only time I take my circular polarizers off is if I'm doing astro or uh, nighttime photography, where I don't obviously need a circular polarizer, and I shoot without uh, a protective filter or UV filter. Um, and the other reason I do that is because I don't, I I very rarely take my my circular polarizer off. So I've already got that sort of protective sort of filter already on the front with the circular pole. And then I just, I just really take care of my gear as much as I can when I'm shooting Astro not to scratch it or, or, or mark it or put it in the bag without a lens cap on and things like that. But yeah, I think back in the film days, as, as you said, and as Jeff was referring to, like, you know, you had different colored filters and different types of skylight filters and, you know, warming filters, things like that. And that, that was relevant for the film days. I think digital these days, because like you said, it is super easy to correct things um, where in film days, you couldn't just get the film out and just change the color temp of your, of your negative afterwards. You know, you're stuck with what you had. And I think uh, more to the skill of people shooting film, they knew exactly how that, that type of filter would affect. But yeah, it's, it's, it's always a tricky one. And I get a lot of questions on workshops about that. It's like, oh, should, you know, what should I do with these UV filters? And I, I tell them exactly the same thing I've just said there that I, I personally don't use them. Um, but one thing I think people make the mistake of is, and we can probably touch on this quickly, is they actually stack filters. So people have their UV filter on the front of their lens, then they put their circular polarizer on the front of that, and then they might have an adapter that has a, a soft rad or something like that on front <laughs> yeah, of that. Yeah. Um, you know, light passing through glass is, is you know, you want to try and minimize that that diffraction of passing through yep. through yep. filters and glass. So exactly. I, would always, I would always say, if you're going to put a circular polarizer on, take the UV off, do it carefully, do it in the car or do it in your yep. room, wherever beforehand. But yep. um, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting topic with UV filters and, and protective filters. Yeah, there's loads of reasons why you shouldn't shoot through any um, extra pieces of glass that shouldn't be there. And, and, and the other main reason, of course, is you can end up with vignetting, which basically yeah. means, it, particularly if you're shooting landscape ultra wide angle, you literally can see the, the, the filter yeah. be, when you start to stack them because you end up with, basically two or three layers of the, the, the ring that's holding the filter. And you can see that. Yeah. You know, and so you get the vignetting or the darkening of the corners. Um, yeah. and I, I've, gonna... been, I've, I've been caught out a couple of times doing Astro with UV filters on or protective filters on as well. Um, if you're at, you know, for example, at a, at a location where you're doing the Milky Way, but you know, you might have like a house light or a farm light or some city lights in the, in the foreground, uh, in the background, you can actually sometimes get um, like bouncing, from yes. the filter, filter to the lens element back out to the filter and you yep. actually get light bouncing through your filter back out the front of your lens. So you'll actually get these weird artifacts on your shots after the fact. So um, that's why I, I try and, like I said, try and minimise my filters as much as I can just to yep. stop that diffraction and, and bouncing around of light where, you know, that lens has got a beautiful coating on it. It's just that extra step of being super careful with your really expensive camera lenses. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And um, just going back a step as well to the way you were saying that you like to leave a circular polarizer on, on your, on your lens. That's, that's great. That's your technique. That's the way you do it. Yeah. Um, personally, I leave a circular polarizer in my bag and then swap them out as I need them. Yeah. Um, in fact, of late, I've actually been like a lot of photographers shooting landscape, particularly around the ocean and, water the old neutral density filter as well so yeah, um yes. there's a whole other podcast F filters I, the old yeah I, I, the I, actually, filters. I actually think we would i think we'd go different ways on that conversation yep. um yeah so we can put that down as another topic we can talk about but yeah neutral densities i don't use hardly ever yep um very very rarely do i use them on my work but yeah they've, they've become a bit of a um an in thing to have um yeah. but yeah i I dabbled with them for a while and I got a bit excited about what they can offer. Yeah. But there's a few camera models out there now that actually have built in 
ND filters yeah. anyway. Olympus EM1 Mark III, I would imagine, yeah, is the one. Mark, the Mark III, the one, yeah, they do. Um, I think we, yeah, we, oh, that's a totally different topic I think we can get into. Because um, I used uh, the inbuilt neutral density filters on my Olympus the other day in the Tarkine. I did a handheld two second coastal shot of water running, similar to what yeah. you got behind you, yeah. uh, running over rocks, uh, all built in, no tripod, image stabilizer. Um, it blew away the guys that I was there with. They're like, you can't be shooting that two seconds without a tripod with a built-in neutral density filter. I'm like, well, I can. Yeah, <laughs> so, and I just did. I just did. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll, we'll park that. I reckon we'll park that topic because that'll, um, that'll uh, but that's a, great, that's a great question and topic raiser by Jeff uh, in regards yeah. to the filters. So uh, I think, are we finished? Would you have anything else to say on that? Thanks, Jeff. Awesome. Oh, and okay. um, if, if, if we raise something that you need more information on again, like Jeff did, leave a comment below. Yeah. Flick us a message any way you can, and we or, will try and. Cover or if, it off. We're a, if we're hundred percent wrong, still leave a comment. We won't listen to it. No, I'll, I'll, <laughs> hopefully, people pick us up or, or, or give us a shout out when we're wrong. Pull yeah, us I up so. because I'm sure they will. Man, I don't know everything. <laughs> <laughs> no one does, unless no. you. No, no, no one does. Don't do it. No, we won't do that. <laughs> We'd be moving right along. <laughs> we're trying not to be yeah. controversial on this show, but you know, before exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so the next thing that we wanted to uh, talk about on the podcast today and, um, can be a very controversial subject. So let's do it. Um, was mm. what's a photograph worth? And oh. again, we, we want to come at this from a, um, monetary, um, perspective, um, because there's been, uh, a lot of photographs over the years and particularly over the last sort of 10 to 20 years that have sold for quite a bit of money, Cameron. So allegedly, yes. Well, exactly. And yeah. that's one of the topics that we're going to talk about. So yeah. um, I did, uh, geez, I can't believe how much research I've done for, to, for tonight's episode. Cam. It's getting a bit scary that you're actually doing research for this show. I know it's, it is a worry, isn't it? So I, um, I went ahead and did a little Google search on, um, the most expensive photographs ever sold. Yep. Can and I have a guess? I don't think I know the answer to this. You don't? Okay. I don't think I do. Is it, is it the one we're thinking? Is it the real famous one that everyone thinks was the highest selling photograph of all time? Was it 21 yeah. million? Uh, no. That's, um, that's, that's putting a bit of Cam Blake Mayo on it, which I oh, love. Right. Six million. It's much better. Six and a half million dollars. Yeah, right. Okay. Okay. So the yeah. photographer in question is Peter Lick. Um, Peter, he's an, he's is, an Aussie. Uh, he is an Australian. Well, he's Australian native, but he um, immigrated to the US in the 1980s, I think, the early 80s. Um, yeah. Look, Peter's a fantastic photographer. No, no question. He takes great. He has taken some wonderful photographs. Peter yeah. also um, ran. I'm not sure about the current situation with Peter, but I know he he did run a lot of uh, beautiful galleries. Like he, the the way he displayed his photography was nuts. Yeah. He was printing on Cibachrome, which was, um, you can't get Cibachrome anymore. Um, a very, very high super gloss um, paper that yeah. um, could be backlit and also made his photographs just pop. Like sort of, sort of, They sort of came out looking like almost metallic-like, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Like you could say a super gloss, but yeah, yeah. borderline metallic look. Um, yeah. And you'd use a lot of sort of dark, matte boards and dark frames around it to make the colors really pop and if you went into one of his galleries um when i lived up in queensland he opened one in noosa and um i went in and i went to his one in cairns as well um yeah. stunning stunning the floors were these amazing spotted gum floors and the yeah, lighting okay. system would have been worth hundreds of thousands of dollars and yeah. he really showed his photography off very very well but again we digress um he sold a photo that he took in 1999 at a place called Antelope Canyon in Arizona. The image is called Phantom. Uh, I'm going to put it up on the it's screen. It's going to pop up on the screen right about it is. now. Yeah, and the photograph sold for $6.5 million. And then, of course, questions started to circulate about how legitimate was that sale, mm. um, who bought it and all that sort of stuff. And it doesn't take much of a, of a bit of a look around um, Google to see there's a lot of people who are find that figure a little dubious. Um, yeah. A lot of people um, said that it was more of a marketing exercise than a, a real sale. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, there, I don't think there's been a, a, 
a definite outcome of that. I don't think anyone's actually really been able to get to the bottom of what that was. A lot of that probably came back on jealousy. I reckon a lot of people saying there's no, there's no way you can sell six and a half million, you know, maybe he did, maybe he just uh, hit one out of the park and yep. the rest of us don't like that. <laughs> no, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, it's, if he got six and a half million dollars for a photograph, yeah. hats off mate. Yeah. Absolutely. Game on. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's nuts. I mean, which, you know, if, if I sold a photo for $6,000, I'd, mm. I'd fall off my chair, let alone six and a half mil. So, yeah. you know, it, and, and you hit the nail on the head straight away, Cam. And, and that was, there was a lot of jealousy around very, very, very quickly. Now, if it was a marketing exercise, well, well done to you as well. You pulled yeah. that off. Everyone, I mean, you know, that was, that was sold in 2000, November 2014. So we're talking seven years ago. Yeah. And, and from, here we and, are still and, talking about it. And from that, uh, from that sale, what I noticed a lot in the industry of landscape photography as well is all of a sudden people went from just selling their normal, you know, whatever size prints they were for X amount of dollars. All of a sudden there was these limited edition prints and there was yes. these one off, one of 10 prints. And, you know, each time the print sold, the, the price would go up. There was all these different marketing ploys from photographers um, to try and milk as much money as they could out of their photos, which... You know, again, we're coming back to what you know. What what is a photo worth? To me, the ultimate answer to that is whatever you want it to be worth. If it's if it's your if it's your photograph, put put whatever price tag you want on it. Whether or not you sell it or not, that's that's a completely different you know story there. Yeah. But um, if you think your work is is good and you think it's appealing and you think people want to hang it on their walls or display it somewhere, then you know, put what price you want on it. But yeah, so I there's think- a difference between what a photograph is literally worth and yep. what people, someone prepared to pay for it. Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, the, there is a big difference there. And of course, photography, particularly lands, well, any kind of photography is always going to be compared to the art world and, and yeah. to paintings and the like. And, um, you know, th- there's always a stigma, I think, a stigma attached to photography, rightly or wrongly, that a lot of, a lot of people think all you're really doing is pressing a button. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, you and I, and, and I'm sure most of the listeners know, there's way more to it than that. Yeah, that's right. But we had this conversation on, on Sunday as well. We were talking like, I can't paint to save myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what we'll say. I said the same thing. It's like people who paint pictures, like to me, I, 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 tell, I say they're artists. Like if you can mix those colours, you can see the vision, you can see the tones, the shades, all that kind of jazz, and still paint something that looks something like our background here. Yep. Then you are miles ahead of me <laughs> in the art world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like you said, in a way, we are just button pressures. But um, I think the difference between paintings and, and photography as well, you know, you just look at the most famous paintings of all time, like the Mona Lisa. There's only one Mona Lisa. Yes. You know, it's not like they're mass producing these, these prints and things like that, where a photograph, you know, you, if you're selling one of, which I think was in the case of Peter Lick's work, that was a one off. Like that was the only one that was sold, and I think he's uh, actually te- technically, um, it, yeah, okay. That in that size that it was sold in, and in okay. that, and it was a black and white um, version of a color photograph. That's right. That he yeah. had sold in the past. Yeah. Okay. So even that is, you know, yeah. a little. It's interesting. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to be controversial about it or anything, but to me, it doesn't seem right that he yeah. was. That he took a photo that had already sold and said, no, this is a one-off because I've converted to black, and, black white. and white. Yeah. Okay, sure. I mean, yeah, it might be the only black and white version in existence. Yeah. But yeah, it, it take, again, it, it takes more of the, more of the shine off yeah. the sale, doesn't it? It does. It chucks a few more shadows around what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. It. yeah. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a fantastic topic. I, I, I love it. So, um, I get asked a lot and, and by a lot, I mean probably every, every couple of months I'll have someone email me, wander into the shop, call me up. Who's been taking some great photos. Normally it's a younger person who's getting into photography, which of course I encourage and I love, but the question is always, what should I be charging for my work? Yeah. Um, now straight away that I get a little bit sort of, uncomfortable in my seat and I start thinking, well, you know what? I had to work um, market stalls and I had to approach galleries. Cam, I literally had doors slammed in my face yeah. going around trying to sell my work at times. Um, you know, back when I was their age or you know, younger, yeah. um, it's almost like, well, 
sorry, you're going to have to work that out for yourself because yeah. like I just said, a photograph is worth what someone's prepared to pay for it. Yeah. Now, um, as an example, I sell my photography in my shop um, and I reckon, look, quite regularly, people say, Brendan, you're too cheap. Yeah. And of course, the first thing I say back to them is, how many would you like? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's always, well, well yeah, that's not what I meant. Yeah. Like, well, obviously, I'm not cheap enough. Yeah, that's right. If, if, if it's such a, a you know, bargain basement price, I'll take six of them, thanks. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, look, I mean, and that, that's <clears> being <throat> a little bit flippant and sort of glossing over the subject. But yeah. um, when it coming back to people that, that ask me, you know, how much should I be selling my photographs for? Well, you know, I do eventually they get it out of me, but I, and I tell them what, how much I sell my stuff for. You can find it on my website. I mean, yeah. It's not hard. You can find that's it on anyone's right. website. Yeah. Uh, what, the, what my going rate is for that, for, for certain photographs. I've got a photograph that Cam knows uh, of a kangaroo hopping across a lake, um, yep. which, yeah. which is will be right there. It's there. <laughs> there it is on the screen now. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't believe I waited till episode four. <laughs> Usually um, it's like the first four minutes well, that's right. of meeting Brendan. Have this, you seen my is, kangaroo? <laughs> that's right. Exactly. This is hands down the best photograph I've ever taken. And I'm never going to beat it. I know I'm not. Um, I'm going to try, but I'm never going to beat this photograph. And I sell that photograph regularly. Like uh, I'm very, very fortunate to say that I've sold, I, I sell a copy of that photograph pretty much every week yeah. uh, in various sizes. Um, what's it worth? Well, it makes me an income. Um, it, 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 it puts food on the table. It pays my bills. Um, you know, I, I actually call that this photograph, my superannuation fund. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> it, and I took it in 1998. Yeah. Was it on film too, wasn't it? It was shot on film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's, a, it's shot on an old Pentax film camera. Yeah. Um, we'll dedicate another part of a podcast to that photo. But yeah. um, getting back to, you know, what, what is, to me, that photograph's worth an absolute bloody fortune. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but over the last 20 years. Yeah. You know, so I, I now... Um, wouldn't mind saying to everyone, okay, that photograph is now worth $10,000. Yeah. 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 So what, why, why can't I do that? Cam? I think, um, I think what goes on these days and I think it's, a, it's, a, and it's going to sound, this is going to sound controversial, but I think it's a generational thing. I think a lot of, you know, the people that you come they're saying are coming into your shops and so I get a lot of the questions the same. I get random messages on social media and, emails saying hey cam love your work um i've got a photo like that how much should i sell it for um and the question the answer always is well i can't tell you how much your work is worth you know, you know it's always a back and forth well you know well, how did you come up with that price and how did you do this and you know you can go down the whole avenue of like well you know there's 20 25 years of experience there's thousands and thousands of hours doing stuff there's more thousands of dollars buying gear there's you know photography degrees there's hiking you know kilometers to go get things I think what the issue is these days is that, you know, there's a lot of young people starting photography, which I think is fantastic. I think the more people shooting, the better everyone's mental health will be. And I think the better the, the world will be. But I think what it is, it's a quick fix for people. They get on Instagram, they start putting up photos, they watch YouTube clips to find out how to do things in two seconds. And they get to that end point where we were probably asking that question after five, 10 years of work. Okay, I've got this you know, a gallery or this portfolio of work, I'm going to start trying to sell some of it. What's it worth? These guys are there within two seconds. And all of a sudden they're like, I've got these great work. I'm getting lots of attention and I'm getting a lot of people asking me to buy. How do I price it? And that's, I think, where it becomes a real tricky, tricky thing for them. Because I, I look at people and think, I, I sort of get a little bit sort of selfish in a way. I'm like, well, you've been shooting for five minutes. How can you be selling shots for $5,000 where I've been shooting for that much? And, you know, I might sell my shots for $500 or $1,000, depending on what, what it is. Yeah. It's, it's a tricky one, but I think to me, it's, I think, I think it's, a, I think it's a question that can't be answered to be honest, because I think it's just comes back to the person, who, you know, where you're trying to sell it, who you're trying to sell it to. If you want to put $10,000 on your kangaroo print, someone, someone will buy it. Yeah, it might only be someone. It yeah. might not be. You know. Yeah, and and this is this is normally where the conversation leads when I'm talking to people about what price they should put on their photography, and um, it invariably comes back to all right, what's the end game here? Are you wanting mm. to sell loads of prints? So, for example, I can sell any photograph for ten thousand dollars. Sorry, I can sell a photograph for ten thousand dollars 
once a year, or I can sell the same photograph for five hundred dollars fifty times a year. Yeah. All right. So it's not hard to do the math there. So and it's like everything: supply and demand is going to dictate the pricing. Yeah. Um, it's when you start to see ridiculous prices put on well, what I consider ridiculous prices put on average work yeah. that sort of skews it and, and it makes it really, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's a, it's an interesting conversation. Well, I think, um, yeah, I think also you've got to be, I've gone down that path of also thinking like that, where you've got to be really careful about, I, like I, I shy away from critiquing anyone's work ever. Yeah. Like, because you know, to you and I, what might be a really great photo, someone else might go, eh, that's okay. Or, you know, you got someone who thinks, you know, the, the blurry blob of blackness is an amazing shot they got by accident because it's arty. And we look at it and go, that's just rubbish. Like, I think it's a, it's a really tricky one where, um, you know, people putting massive prices on their work. I think it's, like I said, it comes back to the individual. If you think your work is worth $10,000, then put $10,000 on it. Whether or not, I think, there's two components to that there's the like you said there is the supply and there is a demand um you know you can supply the photo for ten thousand dollars a pop but maybe no one's going to buy it yeah, um, yeah exactly I, I, yeah. yeah well to see to that end um i'm now going to make all my photos ten thousand dollars every one of them yes. and but i'm going to run a 99 percent off sale for a little while that sounds good. That sounds good. <laughs> um i used to get there's also a thing online i think it goes back to um, a little bit around social media again as well. Like I used to get a lot of images uh, for places like Tourism Tasmania and Parks and Wildlife Tasmania and, you know, a few Tourism Australia shots and things like that. And the rate of the rate of what they will pay for a photo has drastically dropped over the last 10 years. Huge, like massively dropped. So yes. you used to be- And able, what do you, you put know, that down to, Cam? I put it down to the fact that most people are posting thousands, if not millions of photos a day on social media. Yes. That, that tourism mobs can quite easily just ask permission to share or hashtag me permission and I'll share it around. The, the whole, the whole selling of photographs um, has been completely washed out in regards to what you can ask for photos. And I think that to me is a direct um, reaction to the social media mass of people Putting, so we're, we're pretty much our own worst enemy because so many people are putting up so many amazing shots. It's just devalued the, the opportunity to try and to try and sell shots at a decent rate, unless you are quite unique in what you do, or you live in a unique location, or you have your own gallery where you've got things really nice framed up. Yep. Then I think, you know, if you're not doing one of those three things, you go back into this massive pool of everyone selling the same stuff and it gets yeah. really, really tricky. It does. And, and it's always going to be a, a, a topic for discussion because um, you know what you think is worth X, I might not think even might not think is worth anything like that. So yeah. uh, it's really really tough here locally where I sell my work. Quite often, I'll have a customer. They'll come in. They'll 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 like the photo. They can I can tell they like the photo, but then they'll come up and say, "Oh, by the way, my uh, father's ashes are spread there." You know, right. I would love to have that photo on my wall. Right. Which is which is awesome. I mean, that I'm given that privilege of being able to photograph yeah. that area for them, and and they, but they're buying it for a real emotive reason. It means yeah. it means a lot to them, and I and I start thinking, okay, well, what if it was a different, like the same spot, but a completely different photo? Would it have the same appeal? Like it's interesting that yeah. way. And what value do you put on that? Yeah. Um. You know no, that 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 is a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm always um. The, the way I price my stuff generally is okay. First of all, you want to cover your costs. Um, you know, when I'm looking at it from a purely decorative point of view, in other words, someone's coming in, they've got a spot above the fireplace that they want a picture for. You know, I've got to cover my costs, and then I work in. Um, uh, it's all, it's not a straight formula, but it's almost I think about it and say, okay, well, you know, how much do I need to make off this section of wall in my gallery, for example? I, sometimes I can look at it that way. Say, okay, yeah. I've got real estate here on the walls that yeah. I need to fill that needs to make me money to pay the rent, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, you know, but having said that, I haven't changed my prices for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all good to talk about, isn't it? But you've got to, no. 
like I, I don't, I don't think I sell anywhere near as like you, you're definitely a more of a print seller than I would be, I think. Um, yeah. And I think mainly you've got the experience and the background in that, you know, running the markets for so long as you did. And you've got, you literally, you've got your own store where you can hang out with your workout, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, I think what I've experienced over the last few years, I've, I've sold a heap of digital images. Yeah. So lots and lots of digital images for tourism and parks and wildlife. And um, they're, even there, they're poles apart, like, you know, you de- whether or not you're dealing with a government agency or you're dealing with a small business that wants a photo of Cradle Mountain or something like that, you know, you've got to look at what budget they would have as well. You know, they might come to you and say, hey, I love that shot of Cradle Mountain. We, we need it for our little, you know, Airbnb that's got one room. We just want like a little small print just to make it look nice. You're not going to charge yep. them $10,000 for that because, you know, you've got to read your market as well. You've got to look at them and say, well, if I want to sell this, I've probably got to, you know, come to the party a bit more where, you know, if you've got a government department who's got budgets every year, they've got to try and match and meet, you know, you can maybe sort of go in with a different approach, but yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, it is. You- it's a, it's a, it's a great subject. I, I love it. It's so it's mm. it just fascinates me. Um, just, just going back to, we talked about Peter Lick's photograph, which is called Phantom, which is um, sold for six and a half million dollars. Would you ever go back to work if you sold a print for six and a half million? No. I'd pay my house off and say, yep, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Well, no, it's, it's funny though, isn't it? Because <laughs> you, you, you would though, like you would keep, like the passion of taking shots. You, that's, never gonna, shots. that's never going to leave me. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, you and I, I think are quite similar in, in terms of we use photography as a creative outlet as well. Yeah. So there's no, you can't, there's no putting a price on that. You, you just can't. Work. I mean, like you said, mental health and that sort of stuff. <laughs> I, I come away from shoots like, particularly the impromptu shoots that we're talking about before where, where something has happened. Like a, it's an amazing scene that's just unfolded. My Mungo trip a few weeks ago, I, yeah. I was there for three days. I came back the most relaxed I've ever been. Yeah. Um, most relaxed I've ever been. What a silly thing to say. I came back really <laughs> relaxed. Um, most relaxed you've been in some time. In some time. And all yeah. the stresses of, 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 of running a business and raising a family and all that sort of stuff left me for a few days. Yeah, it was awesome. What a tonic! There, there ain't no money in the world well, I was that, can, say, that you, can cover you, that. You know what? We've just answered what a photo is worth, right there. Yeah, well, that's that's, exactly that, right. that's what a photo is to me. That's what a photo is worth. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's the experience behind the photograph. It's it's whether or not you're on your own experiencing like you know something like that sunrise or sunset you're talking about before, yep. where the colour's amazing, or whether or not it's just that. Like I, I get a, I get a real buzz sometimes where I'll be out somewhere, and I know that no one else in the entire globe is seeing what I'm seeing at this time. Yeah, that's cool, isn't it? Like, and to me, like, you know, if people came up to me and said, oh, geez, I wish I was there. Here's a six by four print, have one. Like I got the, yeah. the, the, the richness comes for me from actually experiencing out in the field and, and actually clicking that button and, you know, getting back to your computer and go, wow, that's just pretty special. So yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And hopefully our listeners sort of get that same buzz if they haven't found photography, um, <laughs> if, well, you have rabbited on a little bit about this one, but that, that's good though. I that just is. wanted to quickly um, mention, so we, 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 we basically um, paid out Peter Lick to no end because we didn't believe that it would have sold for six and a half million dollars. I don't, I mean, I'll put it out there. I don't believe that it actually sold for six and a half million dollars. No, I, um, I, think, I think it was a, a extra, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't know. I, I did a little bit of research, but, I'm going to go along the lines that it was an incredibly good marketing strategy yeah. and, and, and kudos to him. Correct. Hats yeah. off. I mean, as I say, seven years later, we're still talking about it, but yeah. um, number two on the list was uh, Andreas Gursky's uh, Reen 2. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. R-H-E-I-N, Reen 2. I'm going to put it up on the screen now. Um, this sold. Can I, can I um, see that? <laughs> <laughs> this sold at uh, Christie's auction in New York City. $4.3 million as a photograph. Now, um, it's, it's a large-scale image and it depicts a digitally manipulated river scene outside Dusseldorf, devoid of people and buildings, oh, yes, um, described as a romantic hymn to the grandeur of the Rhine River. Mm. Now, I mean, again, amazing that a photograph can sell for that much. Yeah. Um, I want people to comment below, what do you think of that photograph? I've just I've just looked it up on Google as you were talking there, and I'd be interested to see what people's opinion is on it as well because that is not something that I, again it's not something I would pay four point three million dollars because I don't right. have four point three million. <laughs> but again, it's just it's in the eye of the beholder as well. This is why 
I used to, a few years ago, I used to go down that line of like, that's just a crap photo that can't sell for that much. Or I can't believe such and such is selling that. And I, I turned that off because I think it's, it's just detrimental to your own progress as well. In a way, yes. I just, I just sort of thought, you know what, there, that's them. That's me. If, yeah. if people are going to put work up like that and pay money for it, <clears throat> so be it. Yep. But that's not worth 4.3 million. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it's quite amazing, isn't it? And yeah. I, I need to do a bit more research on it and find out, like, was it the only print? I'm assuming it was for that yeah. kind of coin. Was it, uh, taken, it, printed was it on? taken on a camera that's, you know, never been yeah. used before? Or be awesome it wasn't printed on archival paper. <laughs> This little home home cannon inkjet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and now they've got a lovely faded sort of three and a half million dollar. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. inter interestingly enough, without going too far into it, Andreas Gursky has actually got three of the top ten in terms right. of images right. sold. Yeah. One of his photographs that I love is called Ninety Nine Cent, um, and uh, I will put that up on the screen as well. I've made a lot of work for myself in this edit cam. You have, you have, and I'm just looking up these as we go again. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, 99 Cent by Andreas Gursky. I love that photo. I, I, it's a ripper. Is that all those? Is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very yeah. cool photo. So, yeah, right. And it was taken yeah. in 1999. There you go. Yeah. Right. Um, so um, that's our little take on what we think a photograph's worth. Love to hear your comments. Love to hear what you think uh, the worth is of photography. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a great great subject to talk about. And if um, anyone anyone would like to buy the grass tree behind me, I'm selling that for seven point one million. Okay, for, nice. for this this week only. All right. Well, okay. Remember, I've got a ninety nine percent off sale. Uh, what about if we did like a crowdfunding thing where we actually raise seven point <laughs> one million just to beat Peter Lick's most expensive photograph? Yes. We'll sell that. We'll donate it all to a charity, but we'll yep. get the title of most expensive photo ever. Love it. We only right, need 7.1 cool. million listeners. That's right. I think we should start a movement. There you go. Yep. Um, okay. Moving right along. Um, we, uh, I knew this podcast would go over time, but that's cool. Um, yep. We have got our Dear Cam segment back up and running this week. We do. Someone actually wrote in, didn't they? I know. So, um, Sylvia. Sylvia asks, Dear Cam, I don't know. Sorry, Sylvia. That's probably a terrible impersonation of your voice. I don't know why I just went slightly high pitched. We should have got one of our partners to come in and do the voice. <laughs> That's we, right. We, we, we can barely put an edit together. I don't think we can do voiceovers yet. We're assuming that Sylvia is a woman. Well, yeah. Either or. That's right. Dear Cam, what are your, what are your best settings for birds in flight on an Olympus? Right. Well. Interesting that she did now clearly... She's an Olympus. She's got an Olympus. Yes. But I would imagine that the settings would be relevant across all brands. Well, I think you would think so. Um, but having said that, it would depend on what Olympus camera Sylvia has. If, if she has the EM1X, it actually has artificial intelligence that recognizes birds in flight and, and, and speeds the focus up to actually get that in focus. But we'll assume that she doesn't have that camera and we'll go back to the, the bigger pool of cameras out there. But, um, like I've done a little bit of bird photography in my life and generally it's um, I'm out doing landscape and the lights just really crappy and you're like, Oh, there's some beautiful birds flying around. I'll chase them for a while. Um, I went through a stage of capturing wedge-tailed eagles. I love the wedge-tailed eagles we have down in Tassie. They are just so majestic and huge and uh, incredibly uh, great to photograph. But for me um, really with bird photography, there's, there's two things you really got to keep an eye on. And one is your shutter speed is probably the most, um, important thing you don't want to get that blurry motion of the bird flapping its wings or moving or getting out of frame uh, and the other as well is trying to keep that background nice and soft you know, behind the bird if you're taking birds that are stationary on branches um, you know you don't want heaps of mass behind and being in focus as well so to me I'd be putting um, my camera on to either shutter priority or aperture priority for me I'd probably do aperture priority uh, I'd probably open the aperture up to about f4. Birds aren't really fat and thick. So generally, if you can get the focus right on the bird uh, at f4 aperture, you'll, you'll get some nice sort of shallow depth of field. Uh, I would be inclined to put my ISO pack, maybe even on auto, just so the shutter speed will just keep up with what the, what the focal length that you're using is. Uh, and the other one that's important, especially with birds, is what auto focus um, mode you go into. Um, now that differs from camera to camera. There's all these different 
cameras that have all different autofocus modes and servo modes and God knows what modes. Um, I'd be putting it on continuous autofocusing. If you've got tracking on your camera, um, that'll also help if you can track the subject. Um, but yeah, you want to probably have it on, on the most uh, reactive autofocus and continuous, continuous autofocus you can. Um, but that, that'd be sort of my setting. So something like aperture priority, aperture as open as maybe F4, put your ISO on auto, um, and then yeah, yeah, autofocus on some sort of continuous autofocusing or tracking. Um, you could go shutter priority and check the shutter speed at say a thousandth of a second. Uh, again, leave your ISO at auto and the aperture should hopefully go with it. But to me, you want to make sure that aperture's sort of separating that bird from the background if you can, uh, which is where that shallow depth of field comes in handy. Um, and shooting on a tripod, I think would be a bit tricky. Uh, a lot of bird photographers might use a monopod just to get that little bit of extra balance. Uh, but hand holding, if you've got uh, the Olympus cameras, you'll also have inbuilt stabilization. Uh, maybe on the lens as well. So you should be right hand holding and panning and chasing those birds around. So that'd be what I'd go with. Um, but birds are tricky. Birds, birds are, can be really oh, flighty. I was going to say they're going to be flighty. <laughs> they are going to be flighty. Uh, Very flighty. They, they can be, but they can, they can move you know, in, in a moment's notice. So, um, you know, you can get, you could dig right into it, make sure that, you know, you're nice and quiet, you know, be really still pick your, pick your location and sit there for a while. But I think with, with Olympus, I think Olympus is a great system to shoot birds on. Um, I've got the 40 to 150 mil 2.8 lens and I've shot a lot of the eagles I've shot on that, that, uh, that camera. Um, that way you can, you know, you can shoot almost at F 2.8 uh, and, you know, get the shutter speed and the um, image stabilization to work together and you should get some nice shots, but yeah, I hope that helps. Very cool, mate. Very cool. Um, I exactly follow up, um, back up exactly what you've just said. Two things for me, the thing that makes a fantastic wildlife photograph, in my opinion, is that you have sharp focus on the eyes of yep. the animal. Um, birds in flight, I know can be tricky, but yeah. if you can somehow manage to get a little glint of sunlight off the eye, because generally most birds you shoot will have very, very black eye, dark eyes. Yeah. Uh, if you can get the glint of light off the eye, and I understand again in flight, that's going to be a bit hit and miss. Yeah. Um, I love looking at wildlife photos where they've caught the eye of the animal nice and yeah, sharp. Yeah. And the only other thing I would say if it were me, and that is, and you mentioned panning, um, a bird in flight is obviously going past you. So panning as you're taking the photograph is really important because you might have a shutter speed that will blur the background, but keep your subject focused as that bird's moving by you. Yeah. A lot of people make this mistake. They'll, the bird will be going by them and they'll go like this, snap wrong what you need to do is go snap yeah. and follow through so like a good golf swing so yeah. snap like that because what's happening there is the shutter's staying open for that split second so that's how you get the blurred background but the sharp, sharp subject is by yeah. following through when you take a photo so and you, and you can and you can relate that also you can you can marry that into doing like sports photography as well the panning uh, you can sort of move that camera at the same speed as the athlete or you know yep. the, the race car going past so it's actually a good one to get into the habit of getting better at is panning. Panning is a bit of an art form and you can actually then take that into your landscape photography and do all those funky panning shots where you just have blurry colors and, you know, of, of a sunset or something like that. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. But that, that's a good one. Thanks Sylvia. That's um, if you've got a dear cam question, please <laughs> send us a little um, question yeah. below, uh, send us a, a comment below uh, or you can send us an email or you can visit our Facebook page comment there if you want just make sure you start your um, off with them and that'll get eyeballs on it from us and we can yeah. have a look at it for next week so um, tonight cam i um i hope you've enjoyed yourself i know i have it's always a pleasure um yeah it's been great and like i said just just going back to the listeners and the guys tuning in um yeah I'm, I'm quietly blown away that we've got so many people that have tuned in and um subscribed and uh, subscribed on YouTube and, and obviously signed up on the iTunes and Podbean. Uh, it's good. And, you know, we're putting these shows on. We like having a chat. It's, uh, it's always good for Brendan and I to catch up. But the more interaction we get from you guys, I think the better the show will get if we get some more deer cams and more questions. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll get controversial as we go along. and <laughs> We'll say things that people won't agree with. But, 
yeah, so far it's been great. So thank you to everyone out there. And hopefully this is another episode that can fill in an hour of your day and get you inspired to, inspired to go out and click some more frames. So um, in about a week's time, will we be finding you back down south in Tassie or will you be in Melbourne? Funny you say that. I, th- I don't technically leave Melbourne until the 18th of July. That's what I've got booked on the Spirit of Spew. There you uh, go. So um, I actually have, uh, we were talking the other night about doing the Great Ocean Road. My wife and I are going to go down and explore. Uh, we're going to go to Apollo Bay and we're going to go to Port Ferry. I've got another friend in Port Ferry who I'm going to try and catch up. Another photographer, Stacey Woods uh, Photography. She does uh, a lot of portrait and wedding work down there. She's one of the better ones down there. And if not the best. And so we're going to catch up with them and uh, I'm going to scout some locations out for a potential Great Ocean Road sort of workshop thing I might put on next year or we might put in next year. Who knows? Who knows where that might take mm. us, mate? Um, I, 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 yeah, you can't go wrong. Um, yeah. you, while, while you're here in Victoria, come on down and check out, check yeah. out the Great Ocean Road. Port Ferry, there's a place. Yeah, I, I've been to Port. I actually played, would you believe I actually played a game of cricket for Port Ferry Cricket Club once? I went, down, awesome. I went down as a guest cricketer. It wasn't a good day for me. <laughs> um, well, funny, funny enough, I played the Port Ferry golf course uh, a few years ago and that wasn't a good day for me. But anyway, yeah. we'll... we'll... <laughs> that's why we uh, take thanks. photos. <laughs> that's right, exactly right. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone, thanks, this guys. week. Um, we look forward to talking to you next week. Cam, over and out. Have a great week, everyone. Bye thanks, for now. Thanks, guys. Ciao. Bye. See ya. <laughs>